in a world where literature is dominated by dusty leather-bound books with no pictures. Three men dare to venture to their local comic shop to approach the counter and utter those three magic words. Make mine paperback. Welcome in and welcome back to Make Mine Paperback, a podcast about comic books and the 2005 French feature-length nature documentary directed and co-written by Luc Jacquet and co-produced by Bon Pioche and the National Geographic Society. March of the Penguins depicts the yearly journey of the Emperor Penguins of Antarctica. In autumn, all the penguins of breeding age, five years old and over, leave the ocean, which is their normal habitat, to walk inland to their ancestral breeding grounds. There, the penguins participate in a courtship that, if successful, results in the hatching of a chick. For the chick to survive, both parents must make multiple arduous journeys between the ocean and the breeding grounds over the ensuing months. I'm Graham Lamarche de L'Empereur Giles, and with me, as always, my fellow feathered friends, he sounds like Morgan Freeman if you've never heard Morgan Freeman, preferring the dulcet tones of Detective Comics' Stephen Shear. And he won an Oscar for Best Documentary Feature in 2006, making movies on the makings of Marvel, Alex Shear. This week, we are continuing, continuing, nay, finishing our mid-March Melee tournament. We're crowning the premier paperback prize winner today, hopefully, Saga number 25. We have me representing Saga number 25, and Steven representing the many deaths of Layla Star number one, Alex judging the premier paperback prize. The mid-March melee concludes this week. We hope that you've enjoyed the tournament so far. Before we get to that final matchup, though, Alex, what'd you read this week? This week, I dived into an early 90s classic, Spawn. Dived into the first couple of issues of that, and let me tell you, those are those are some great comics. I have a few of them that were given to me a few years ago. Uh, by a guy I knew when I was working in retail. And, I mean, Todd McFarlane, uh, Steve Olaf, you know, they, I mean, they just, excellent work. Um, I mean, these guys really, really put the pencil and pens and colors to the pages. And, I mean, they can tell a really great story, you know. Maybe this will be something we talk about here on the show at some point. But, I mean, just incredible work. And, yeah, this, I mean, it's an interesting character. It's a character that I was... I, I, I'm familiar with in pretty much name only, but getting to sit down and turn the pages and really try to understand this Spawn origin, if you will, just, wow, that's a comic that's held up pretty well over the last 30 years. Yeah, and one of uh, one of Image Comics' first books. Mm-hmm. Um, that's funny. I, I mean, speaking of early Image Comics stuff, that's I was watching Malcolm in the Middle the other night. and uh, <laughs> Classic. When he, uh, when he first meets his friend Stevie, he asks Stevie, like, you know, Stevie's the, yep. the one in the wheelchair. And he mm-hmm. asks Stevie, like, like, what do you do normally? And he says, mostly I read comic books. Mm-hmm. And he goes, He's... what? You've got comics? And they open his closet, and it's full of comics. And, <laughs> uh, and he goes, is that Youngblood number one? He's so excited about Youngblood. I've got that issue. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and you're always hoping that a young Frankie Muniz is going to come through the door, and you can show him that you have Youngblood number one. Absolutely. That's the only reason I have it, actually. <laughs> Just in it's case. A beautiful thing. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Gotcha. I mean, we were talking before we uh, started recording about you know getting quotes for things for the uh, for the house, 
And all day long, I've been like, oh, man, when I email these guys or I text these guys or I talk on the phone with these guys, like all I want to do is convince these guys that I'm a normal person. But can you imagine if somebody came into your home and you went, I have young blood number one. Like you failed the test already, man. Right. <laughs> well, you probably don't lead with that. That's the, that would be the point. You don't lead with that. Hey, would you like a glass of water? Also, I have young blood number one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Would you like a beverage or young blood number one? <laughs> one or the other. You can't have both. That's right. Yeah, not at the same time anyway. <laughs> Stephen, what would you read this week? I read the newest issue of Saga and then the newest issue of Harley that was released this week. And I uh, read a few more issues of Witch Blood. And then per our conversation last week, I watched the Lego Batman movie, and that one was actually really funny. It was, mm-hmm. um, I like how they kind of like make fun of the like, you know, just like the way they do things in Gotham, like at the beginning when they have the like transport, you know, airplane carrying like we've got 10 tons of C4 and all the stuff. We're precariously landing in the most dangerous city <laughs> on the planet. Let's hope nothing goes wrong. And I'm just like, that's so true. It's like, why are they always, you know, transporting dangerous chemicals around Gotham, <laughs> you know, given their history. So that that just got me. But I liked how the movie was very self-aware. And I like that. I mean, that was a very accurate depiction of Batman, too. I think it is. I think it I think it gets really close to comic book Batman. Like, obviously, it's it's funny, but I think mm-hmm. it does get really close to comic book Batman. You know, like his also, relationship I, with I, I Joker. Love... Also, I love Bruce accidentally adopting Dick Dick Grayson. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) No, Lego Batman is great. Yeah, it was Uh, a good one. Graham, what did you read this week? This week? So I I haven't brought it up on the podcast because I I wanted to kind of collect my thoughts a little bit more about it. And and, and maybe this is not not the perfect time to to really dive in depth into it, but um, kind of sense the the ban on the book – my wife uh, picked up a, a used copy of, of Mouse, and uh, so we, we finally got that delivered, uh, and I've been reading through Mouse, and so I finally finished that this week. And just like a, a really cool, powerful story. I found myself – it's very clear that this is um, Art Spiegelman. It, it's him um, super accurately recounting the stories of his father. And some of the ones you go like, I don't know that I could be that honest in a comic book. Like the way, the way this guy writes and he talks about like the, the conversations he has with his dad and the conversations that he has following meeting with his dad, where he's talking with his wife and saying, my dad just sucks. Um, now he doesn't use that language, but he, he uses very similar um, kind of language. Um, and, and, and like the end of the book is talking about his dad's death. And so this is, it's a project that he started when his father was alive and finished after his father was dead. And, um, I don't. I don't. I, I think the there there is certainly a lot of power in the book in regards to to the Holocaust and that subject. But I think one of the sh- most striking things about it is its honesty. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. it's one that I, as somebody who loves history, I, I, it's one I really want to pick up and kind of sink my teeth into a little bit. It looks. What's it called? It's called Mouse. 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 Yeah. Okay. So M M A M A M A U S. Okay. Yeah. Art uh, Spiegelman. Art, Art Spiegelman. Yeah. yeah I heard and that it's one. a. Uh, it's I mean it's a it's a retelling of well not not a not a retelling but a a telling of uh Art Spiegelman's dad who mm-hmm. was who was a Holocaust survivor uh telling of, of his story and uh, and really really powerful stuff. Yeah, you can get like the complete collection uh one and two essentially. You can get the complete collection online at 
thejewishmuseum.org. You can get the box set for it looks like thirty three ninety. So yeah, there's a uh, and, and there's complete collections that are not. Um, it's it's both books just in one book, so you don't mm. have to you don't have to get the like the box set or whatever. But gotcha. Um, um, right now, everywhere that we saw new. Uh, was sold out because the, you know, the, the ban on the book in Tennessee resulted in so many people kind mm-hmm. of protest buying it. Um, it's, it's hard to find any new copies of it anywhere, but mm-hmm. um, plenty of used copies available. And as always, that's what I recommend for like, if you want trades, if you want omnibuses, if you want whatever you want in terms of uh, in terms of comic, except for like, except for floppies, floppies aren't always great used because they're either in poor condition or a million dollars. Um, right. But, but, uh, but uh, yeah, when it comes to comics, I, I recommend used. For sure. For sure. Yeah. That could be a good one. To check got, that one out. Uh, it's where we got our copy. Um, and yeah, definitely, definitely highly recommend, uh, and definitely recommend, um, pretty much always if your community bans a book immediately, go read it yep. <laughs> because that's, uh, it's it, all of it. It's just information. That, that's what it is. And so if, if somebody in power doesn't want you to know something, it's generally a good idea to figure out what that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my, <laughs> little, that's, that's my opinion. But, uh, but yeah, don't, uh, don't trust anybody who says you can't read something. Just read it. <laughs> I believe in you. I believe that everyone here and that all of our listeners are uh, strong enough in their own minds that they don't, they're not going to fall prey to a, to a book you read a book and suddenly you're a completely different person that's not generally how it works (laughs) oh man no like i said it's one i definitely plan on picking up and reading and you know really uh sinking my teeth into but very good so with that we've reached the championship of the the mid-march melee our premier paperback prize gets awarded today we started with eight books we've whittled our way down to two so far the tournament's gone to chalk We've had the higher seed winning every single time. Um, and that's, how I it goes in the, that's how it goes in March Madness, right? Yeah, <laughs> there's been no surprising no, underdogs. No yeah, never. St. Peter's who? No, yeah. They were number two seeded, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I talked to you guys about, you know, when we started the tournament, and I said, you know, I kind of just threw together seeding so that the, the matchups would work. Um, I didn't really see things based on anything other than uh, the, kind of how I felt in the moment as I was making the Excel document. Um, but apparently I did a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> or a really yeah. bad job. March Madness is all about upsets and clearly there were no upsets. I don't know. I was no, if upset. they did a better job at seeding, then we wouldn't have any upsets in March Madness. It would be better. Nope. <laughs> Again, you're making this ar- you're making this argument that less information is better. Disagree. Less information is always better. Accurate That's why they banned mouse. <laughs> So we've got our premier paperback prize we're going to be handing out today, um, representing the many deaths of Layla Starr, our one seed, Stephen. We've talked about this book a bunch yes. <laughs> already, a, a, a real episode. Uh, what, what is this, the third episode in this tournament that we talked about this book? Yeah, um, I think they're sick of hearing about it at this point. Right. I think I think we kind of agree. At least you and I agree. I, I know Alex is still a little bit salty about his loss last week. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the score and, you, <laughs> score and participate last week is now the judge. So <laughs> I think you and I agree. This, Two weeks this in a the, row. I want to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> if not the best, if not the best book we've read, uh, certainly up there, one of the best books we've read for the podcast. Uh, so Layla Starr. 
Very cool. I'm representing Saga number 25 this week. Again, another book, one of our favorites, <laughs> The Two Seed. It all comes down to this, guys. Alex, what are you looking forward to today? I'm looking for you guys to kind of dive into your books a little bit more and give us information that we don't know. I mean, I feel like, you know, the last few weeks, it's been a lot of information we're aware of, things that, you know, we have a cursory knowledge of on the surface. We've done a little bit of a deep dive in both books. You know, I really, I'm looking for some wow factor this week. That's, I mean, that's going to play a huge part in this. It's, wow, uh, <laughs> you know, Stephen, I'm not liking your confidence right now, buddy. Well, um, yeah, I'm not sure what the, I'm not sure what I can do to know, wow you. I felt like I, I, you know, I might have used my wow factor last week, so this is going to be. But uh, that's what, but that's what I'm saying. Is I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking for you guys to, you know. This is this is a no hold barred round. I mean, this is this is for all the marbles. So, bring it on. Yeah, all, well, all the marbles happens to be zero marbles. We I'm have gonna, no marbles. I'm preemptively saving face because these are both books that I recommended. So no matter what, Alex, I'm a winner. <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Everybody is a winner here except the loser. <laughs> Killing Joke wins. Fuck you guys. Killing Joke was still a good book. Killing Joke is a great book, and I think the the wider comic community knows that. But Mm -hmm. but yeah, the the um, I I think overall, uh, well, at least again, at least for Stephen and I, I I don't think Alex necessarily agrees, but at least for Stephen and I, these are these are the top two books we've covered, (laughs) um, and and books that both are representative of the series as a whole, uh, and so. With that, without uh, without further ado, Alex, let us know what's the what's the format for today. Today, and I even have a timer, so uh, Mister uh, Mister, I run the buzzer how I want to. <laughs> you don't get the choice today. Um, you're both going to get four minutes to discuss your book, present any cursory or secondary information about the book, anything within the pages, outside the pages, whatever that you want to, and then we'll go on to alternate questioning. Um, and I've got a few things kind of in mind of how I want you guys to approach it and how you guys, how I, what I'm looking for, for answers. And then I will punch it into my handy dandy brain and hopefully come up with a winner. Handy dandy brain. That was always my favorite gadget in Blue's Clues. <laughs> go, go gadget brain. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're mixing metaphors now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so with that, uh, how much time do we get on the clock, Alex? You guys are getting four minutes apiece. So four minutes on the clock. And I have a timer. (laughs) (laughs) So we will go. Let's start with both of you pick a number between one and 25. Strange number. 13. 24. Well, the number was 12 because Tom Brady's the goat. Steven, do you want to go first or do you want Graham to go first? Uh, I mean, at this point, it doesn't matter. I'll just go first. Okay. All right. Yep. Steven, let me know when you're ready and I will start the timer. All right, I am ready. All right, and you have four minutes starting now. All right, so as you as you guys know, it was the third time I've talked about it. So in this in this comic, Ram V, excellent writer, teaches us about Hinduism in an interesting way. We get to see death get reincarnated, showing us life through death's eyes. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and this book, number one, makes it even more exciting because it shows God's more relatable. You know, it shows them more as people having our problems. They work at a bureaucratic corporation. Um, And so in this novel, um, we see the gods in their ivory tower, you know, working at a corporation. And then we switch to Layla at a party. Um, And as she's at the party, she's dying at the same time the god of death is being fired. So it's interesting to see gods have the same problems as us. Um, In this case, the god of death is being fired. 
because uh, the child who's bringing about immortality is about to be born. And so, <clears throat> um, so as Layla is re- resurrected at the same hospital where the immortal child is being born, and um, this is where the book really starts to get interesting. And so my wow factor here is um, the artwork, you know, speaking to the audience here, <laughs> audience being Alex. Um, so <clears throat> one artwork, I, one piece of artwork I really wanted to point out was the panel where the God of Death is newly reincarnated as Layla. I think that's one of the coolest panels I've seen in comic books, the colors and the feeling you get as, um, you know, like one soul is exiting Layla's body and another is entering. I think that panel uh the artwork really captures it in that and then um when layla or when the layla reincarnated god of death is escaping the hospital the artwork there is also very cool um this it switches back and forth between first and third person perspective to make the reader feel like they're more part of the action as well and the way the panel blurs uh it kind of makes it feel like there's actual movement within the you know sitting still pictures so the artwork in this book, I think, is legendary. Um, and another cool thing about these books is, so it's about reincarnation. And as I've said last week, um, so the purpose of reincarnation is each time you're born, you learn something, your soul. So it's like your soul goes from body to body and you learn something new each time. That's kind of the underpinnings of Hinduism. And you're supposed to, you know, finally fill your soul till you reach enlightenment. And so you kind of go through the cycle of you know, being born, experiencing life, and then dying. And so we get to see that within each individual issue as well. So the issues themselves follow, you know, the issues, the plot, and each individual book all follow the same pattern. So I really think that's pretty cool. You know, at the beginning of each book, you know, you get to see Layla's alone. Um, she starts off alone, and then she meets Darius, and then she always has a chance to kill him, but doesn't. And she learns something, then is reincarnated. So very much like the the whole point of Hinduism, these books follow that same pattern. So I think this series is only five issues is, is a very manageable read. And I think if you read all the issues in, you know, order, you know, you can sit down and read them in order and you can see that pattern come through. It really just kind of drives home the point of Hinduism. It drives its point home entirely. Um, the artwork and the uh, storyline work together really well. You know, it's it's a case where the two parts make up more than the sum of each individual part to give us a really rewarding experience seconds. um and i would just close by it's nice to learn something new about a different culture and not see kind of the same things that we're so accustomed to seeing um it's very rare to learn about hinduism and i think he does it very well and i think it's an excellent book and one everybody should read all right steven you did that with 11 seconds left on the clock so coming in under time with time to spare all right hopefully i wild you i get to absorb steven's 11 seconds so put four minutes and 11 seconds on the clock uh that actually means we subtract 11 seconds from you because if steven didn't need it you don't need it i disagree with the premise but go on (laughs) so same thing graham you get uh four minutes um to to state your initial case Bring whatever you want to do with the neck crack and everything. It looks like you're getting prepped. So uh, let me know when you're ready, and we'll uh, kick this timer off. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. All right. Graham, you have four minutes starting now. All right. So saga number 25, when we picked this issue for the podcast, we dropped in really in the middle of of saga, of of what existed already. Now, now this was um, pre-coming back from hiatus for the book, and so... It really was almost smack dab in the exact middle of these issues. And it represents that very well. 
the the thing about this book it, it has so many themes in it and we talked about some of these themes we we have war we have family we have drugs we have sex we have we have religion in this book there's so many themes in here love is a big overarching theme um it, just in this issue of saga and and saga it is so so long running and so overarching that we hit these issues a lot but i think what we miss when we focus on saga as a whole and not on as this individual issue. And what we've missed in the the previous episodes that we've talked about this is how well this single book flows. If I handed you this single book one, I think you could kind of understand what saga was doing, but two, I, I think it tells a beautiful story. We, we start with these black and white historical images of, uh, of, landfall and and their and their lottery system when it comes to a draft for the war we see these beautiful pearlescent sort of orbs but in this clearly grainy black and white sort of drawing we see this threatening hand reaching towards them and as it gets pulled out we recognize that this is a a draft lot this is conscription this is people going to war and we talk about this war, and and as time goes on, as this book flows, we we watch as the panels slowly gain more and more color. We watch as the panels slowly move from the the heavy weight of a conscription of a, of a draft sort of war to a to a more lively free nipple um, party scene where we recognize that the the people haven't aren't as affected by this war anymore. It, it doesn't weigh on them quite as heavily. The way this book flows and it moves from scene to scene, we, we recognize that the art, the the story, that everything that works together in this book could be told without each other, right? The, we, we could read Brian K. Vaughn's script and understand this story and, and really understand this issue and, and get a lot out of it, really enjoy it just as a script. And we could just look at Fiona Staples' art here and understand what's going on. But when we put these two together, it takes two good things and makes them excellent and makes them great. What we've missed when we talk about the story in the past is the way it flows and the way that this the story slowly gains color is representative of that. We move from these heavy scenes of war to these heavy scenes of captives, of, of Alana and her mother-in-law being trapped while they watch their child, Hazel, and they, Prince Robot the fourth child captured by Dengo in this snowy abyss. We watch as Marco and, and Prince Robot at all, including including my favorite goose, on this ship flying towards oblivion and not really knowing where they're going, but knowing they have to save their family. We watch as the brand. 30 seconds. One cool name, the brand. We watch as she is trying to save her brother. This whole story flows together. And even though we have really four separate stories here. They twist together in such a way that they're stronger than the sum of their parts. And and that's the story of Saga. It's stronger than the sum of its parts. And issue 25 represents that so strongly. I'm not sure Five seconds. that Layla Starr's first issue represents the whole, the way Saga 25 does. Time. One second left. Well done. <laughs> so, okay. So you guys have both provided... For the third time, a unique summary of your books. I know, and just, just a pat on the back to Stephen, who, like, I mean, come on, a, a different take on Layla Star again for the third time, for really the fourth time, because we talked about it in its own episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I just, I just think we both deserve, you know, kudos. <laughs> well, you don't get any. So moving on. <laughs> 
Um, this is going to be the first question testing your intimate knowledge of the book. And I, I think that with any great comic book, even the most diehard fans can find fault. And so I want you to point out one thing that you think they could do better in this particular book. Um, not necessarily the series in this particular book. So Graham, give me something that you feel the, the author and the artist could do better in this book. Honestly, I don't know that Fiona Staples could do better than this book. I mean, I mean, her name is Staples. She literally holds the book together. The uh... <laughs> clever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I thought of that a while ago. I've been waiting to use it. <laughs> uh, what what I think the book could use more of, um, and, and what I what I think we miss out on a little bit is uh, we have Hazel's narration go through much of this book and it, it really it, it narrates probably 60 percent of the book i mean i mean the first part of the book is is this uh, talk of the war and then the last part of the book is um our, our characters actually involved in the action i think Her- hazel's narration offers us a, a glimpse inside hazel's head but i think it also means that we miss out on some of the dialogue um, that, that Brian K. Vaughn does so well. I, I think that's his writing is best when we see dialogue between the characters. Uh, and so I, I think this book misses out on one of Saga's strengths in reducing the amount of dialogue in the story. Okay. Steven, what about you? What's, uh, <laughs> what's something that you could say the, the artist, the author, um, could do better in Layla Star? Wow, that is a great question. Um, cause this is probably one of the few books that when I was looking it up before I read it, got near to flawless reviews. So I would probably say though, if there's anything that, cause I guess everything it to some extent could be better is it explores a lot of themes, but maybe it could explore more because it does do a, you know, it's only, you know, if we're talking about this individual issue, I mean, it, it is kind of getting us started, but just talking about Layla Starr. I think it could explore some theme a little bit more, some more themes. I mean, I think it does a good, I mean, it introduces to Hinduism and, and that's perfect. I mean, 10 out of 10 on that, but I think it could drive home some more of the elements that make, you know, you know, she learns her lessons, but I feel like there's could be some more themes about appreciating life more, or maybe helping the reader get a better understanding of death. And, and you know, cause it, it, the book is written at such a level that you might not, you know, when I read through it every time I'm picking up on new stuff. So I would say that the it's almost too high level of a writing for for a lot of people, and I think that if they were to you know calm it down a little bit, some of the themes might be more. You might be able to pick up some more themes. Okay, okay. Uh, moving on to my next question here, uh, Stephen, we'll be starting with you on this one. Obviously, in any finals round, when when determining a quote unquote champion, you have to you have to assess what the other book or the opponent does well. Give me something that you've enjoy or have noticed that is is a positive from saga number 25 get just you know point out one thing you can point out multiple things what's something that you feel is a strength of your opponent so i mean saga's i mean saga's got many strengths but specifically issue 25 i think i mean the artwork's great i mean we we don't need to give (laughs) we can talk about fiona staples all night um I mean, she's great, uh, but the artwork in Layla Star is great for its own reason. So I, for those, I'd say it's equal. But where Saga really specifically 25 shines is when it intros the whole thing about war and how it, 
you know, when, when they're talking about it at the beginning, they say they'll like play the clips or like the pro war advert. I don't want to say pro war, but like join the army uh, advertisements before that movie. I think that really makes people specifically like kids growing up in America. It makes them really like stop and think about, you know, and, and reflect on what that means for their own life. And I can say that happened to me too. So um, the themes in Saga are great and he's able to make it so accessible. Kind of like how I said earlier with Layla Starr, but with Brian K. Vaughn, he's like, you know, here it is. Like, here's the theme, you know, and he doesn't hold back either. So that's what I really like is that it really made me reflect on some things that have happened in our own society. And um, he, he presents it in such an accessible way too. So that what I would say is the biggest strength. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Graham, uh, same question to you, obviously. Um, you These are books we both, or that we all really did enjoy, and they're obviously in our final round. What is something that you can identify as a strength of Layla Starr, is that Layla Starr does well? Well, I think the many deaths of Layla Starr, especially this first issue, it, it does it does do so many things so well. But for me, the thing that was so breathtaking about this book was the art. I mean, it, it's got this ethereal quality that moves you from page to page and moves you from character to character without ever dwelling too long or too little on on any one thing. We we have these grand city scenes and intimate, you know, backseat of a car as as a woman's giving birth scenes, uh, and and they move together and they flow in such a way that the book never feels out of place even though it's it really this first issue visits so many different places especially when it's it's a city it's i think it's meant to be mumbai yeah. um it's a city that i'm not familiar with uh, but it doesn't feel out of the normal uh because it, it it really it feels familiar it feels like a place that you know even if you don't know it and it and so much of it is because of the way this art is light and airy and it takes you from place to place as if it's introducing you to the city even though this is the first issue of a book, it feels like you're visiting an old friend. Very, very good. Um, halftime adjustment. We'll do, you know, talk about things that after now listening to your opponent's, you know, argument and details on their book, um, give me something that you can do to strengthen the argument for your own book here at halftime as we uh, continue into the second half. Graham, I'm going to start with you. Well, I, I wanted to start um, just pointing out that as Alex is using all of these basketball um, metaphors, he's he's sitting here wearing a Varee shirt. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna uh, yeah. point that we out. Had, we had talked about it before we started recording, but I forgot that the listeners were not privy to the the video of this podcast. <laughs> so I just want you to imagine Alex in a uh, in a referee shirt. <laughs> okay, so now now what was the question again? All right, great answer, terrible answer, really. Stephen, you're next. No, um... <laughs> Um, halftime adjustments. Obviously, you've heard Stephen make his argument for his right. book during that first four minutes. What's something you can say to strengthen the argument of your book now after hearing what he has presented? So I think the big thing that, uh, especially when, when Stephen's talking about Layla Starr, but but not just him, when, when other people talk about that book, they talk about the way it introduces us to Indian cultural values and the way it introduces us to Hinduism. Uh, and, and those are certainly important things. Those are certainly good things that the book does well. But I think what we miss out on is the way that Layla Starr focuses so heavily on Hinduism without recognizing that it's it's the author's own take 
on Hinduism. It's it's not Hinduism as a whole. It's not the not the dogmatic version of Hinduism. If this is your only experience of Hinduism, I think you might miss out on the fact that it's it's only one person's point of view. This is not the uh, the the Jesus Christ uh, Bible comics that I, I've seen in my youth, where where they're literal Bible stories put on paper. This is just you know one artist and, and one writer's take. Uh, on a, on kind of an ephemeral sort of quality of Hinduism, and and if, when we look at that, I think it's important to recognize that that saga also has a take on religion, and that and that saga also is just one person. Well, really, a whole creative team, not just one person, but it's a creative team's take on the way religion and culture can evolve uh, over time, and, and it's a reflection of reality. So even though Saga is set in space and even though Saga is involves with magic and, and technology and all kinds of fantasy sci-fi themes, everything is is there for a reason. Uh, one thing about Brian K. Vaughn's writing is it's, it's never just writing. It's never just a story. It's always an excellent story, but that's never what it that's never what it only is. It It's a reflection of, of life and of reality. And I think. I mean, if I turn it around on you for a second, Alex, um, if, if you had to tell me what religion is, what is religion? If you had to define it, what is it? I mean, I think it's a belief. It's, you know, it's something, it can be internal. It can be, you know, a, a, an ideology, a, a, something you hope you cling to um, as a, as a more, a guide or a moral compass in a sense, you, you align yourself with a religion or a belief system and that's how you base your moral standing. So... I, to, so correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm hearing from you is that is that religion is about morality, and I don't know if that's if that fully encapsulates religion. Because I think that, like that that's of, well. I was going to say I don't think that that's really where I'm going with it. I think it's more all the time you see people align their morality to their religion, it's like to what they believe. That's that's more what I was. It's like something where people align their lifestyle, their their beliefs, their everything. They align it to a certain religion, and it's, it's a way of life for some people. So I, I think that's that's important. It's it's a way of life for some people. That that's what religion is. It's it's a way of life, and it's and it's your way of life, whatever that is. And so even if your religion is not a religion, your religion can be anything. It's it's your take on life. It's your take on the meaning of the universe. It's your take on on the way things interact with each other. And that's what saga is all about, especially this issue, this issue. How has the war affected everyone? How has it gone from taking Alana and Marco on opposite sides of a terrible war that stretched over galaxies? And how has it brought them together as lovers and parents? And how has the war that stretched over galaxies, how has it affected Dengo to the point where his people weren't involved in the war? Their only standing in the war is monetary. And yet it's affected him so much that he lost his only child and now he feels he needs to kidnap the son of a royal in order to bring attention to the to these issues there's a rebellion that we talk about at the end of the book a, a revolution there's there's warriors from either side fighting to escape and fighting to move forward you talk about religion as a way of life that's what this book is and i think it better reflects the the overall idea of religion than Layla Starr does because Layla Starr forgets that Hinduism is not just one thing. It's many. Fair enough. Steven, same question to you. All right. Uh, oh. Make your halftime adjustments and uh, give me, give me a strengthening argument for your book. All right. Well, kind of piggybacking off Graham actually a little bit. 
Um, so whereas Saga is, I mean, it's a great book and it does explore many themes. It's also, you know, a giant sprawling space opera. I mean, it, it you know, there's been a lot of books that are books and, and media that are similar to Saga, but not nearly as good. But they're, but they're out there, whereas I feel like uh, Layla Star is a lot more rare of a find. And whereas Hindu, Hinduism is definitely the overarching theme. I mean, it's hard to miss. It's, you know, it's right there. Um, what, I'm, what I would say, though, is the, the prior weakness that I um, addressed in the previous question you had. I'm actually, you know, my halftime adjustment is to work on that and actually present it as a strength. Because so whereas some of the themes might not be as you know, readily, you might not be able to read it and pick up on all the themes right away. It gives you a good excuse to go back and reread the series. I mean, it's only five issues and you can read that in about an hour or so. So you can go back and reread that and find some new themes. And, and I think in doing so, you, when you reread it, you find it's not, it, it is about Hinduism. That's the lens he's looking through, but you, you, there's a lot more in it. And it kind of shows that, you know, all, as you, as you kind of explained religion, it's, you know, it's, there's a lot of commonalities, between any religion. I mean, I know they all are, you know, there's some history there and, and some struggles over which religion is the true one. But really, when you break it down, they're all, they follow similar core principles. And, and I think what I read Layla Star, at least I kind of realized while reading it, that the similarities between, you know, philosophy, Christianity, all the religions and Hinduism, I mean, <clears throat> you know, we're all trying to explain death. I mean, we're all Either some people are, you know, some cultures are not scared of death at all, but it seems like most societies, religions are afraid of death. And that seems to be what really drives the, a lot of the purpose of a lot of religion. And so I think in reading this, you kind of realize that, you know, it's, you know, we either get reincarnated, we go to the afterlife, you know, whatever. So I think that when you really read it the second and third time, you realize that, you know, there's really more themes in just Hinduism. You're like, wow, I could replace getting reincarnated with the afterlife. And then it's about Christianity or, you know, I could make it about how you have to appreciate life because it's, you know, life is significant because of death, you know, like yin and yang. So I, you could talk about that and then it becomes a book about philosophy. So <clears throat> Layla Star really could be more adaptable than just Hinduism. It's just... It is a higher level of writing, but I think if you were to read through it, you'll see that there's a lot of themes there that make it, um, you know, more rewarding when you find those themes too. And and it might not be about as as much as Saga, but again, I'd argue that could be a strength if you know you want to just get a little bit, you know, you want a smaller, more contained story. You got five issues, and and you've got you know whole breadth of knowledge. So it's the the few themes it does have compared to Saga. I think it really does a good job and. I think if you're to, you know, present this book to each different pe- to different groups of people, I think they're all going to have different interpretations of what it means. And I think that's really cool. Um, you know, it's all and it's all doing this just by presenting Hinduism. I think it can really um, it's almost like a mirror that when you read it, it reflects what you truly believe. Fair well, I, I, I need to respond to that. That's 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 all well and good to say that everybody who reads the book takes something different. But you could say that about any book on the planet. Like that's that's the benefit of reading. Like there's maybe maybe an instruction booklet might not have all of the different interpretations, but pretty much anything else does. Uh, I mean, we talk about religion. You want to talk about interpretations getting tangled. Um, plenty of interpretations of everything out there. And, and this idea that rereading Layla Star is the key to understanding the the depth and the and the the awareness that the different variety that is available in the book is it's a fine argument but you forget that 
we talked about the the art in this book in in Layla Star that is is so ephemeral and ethereal as it as it moves through the pages it moves you along like you're following a flowing river you don't want to stop reading you don't want to spend any sort of time sitting in any individual panel because the motion of the book moves you along and it's a beautiful thing and it helps to remind you of what of what this culture of, of hinduism is about it, and it really is is about kind of moving through life and moving uh, around it but I think we miss out if we move through Layla Star over and over and over again to try and get the depth of it. When you have Fiona Staples art here, which anchors the character in place and reminds you that the backgrounds might change and, and things might move, but the characters are important and these words are important. Sit here for a second. Let the weight of the artwork drag you down. Let it slow you down. Experience 50 issues as 50 issues. Move through the book. Don't keep going back and rereading. You don't need to reread Harry Potter for the 4,000th time. See, I think Move you're... through the book slowly. Experience the story and learn things slowly as time goes on. If you want to keep going back and reviewing Layla Star, I encourage you to. It's beautiful art. It's a beautiful story. But if you want to experience a story, you want if you want to live it, if you want to be inside of it, read a story once. And a story like Saga can do that for such a long time. It can keep you within this world. Layla Star doesn't have that. Well, let me uh, explain why you're wrong real quick before Alex answers his next question. <laughs> um, so I think society would heavily disagree with you. That's why we're so obsessed with things that are familiar, and we constantly go back to the things we like, especially in, in stressful times. Um, you know, that's why we're just so obsessed with you know binging our favorite shows over and over again. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen, been through Friends, or you've been through Scrubs, or Alex has probably watched the MCU. <clears throat> you know, so I think we are obsessed with rereading the same things over and over again because it's comforting. Um, and especially if you can reread and you, when you rewatch anything, you pick up on new things. And I think that's, that's cool. I don't think we all need to kind of move on constantly. I think it's fine to come back and anchor yourself in some familiar. And, and then the other thing I, I don't, I disagree that people would come to different interpretations of saga. Like, yes, they would interpret characters differently and, and different actions differently, sure, but I don't think anybody's going to sit down and say, you know, that's clearly shows that war is bad, you know? Like, I think that people are going to agree on the main overarching themes, whereas if I, I think with Layla Star, I think, you know, there's a lot of people who would say totally different things, like some people wouldn't even pick up on the process of reincarnation, and I think that it presents, um, what was I going to say? Um, I don't know, it's, it's just, to me, it's just the, the, the themes of Saga are going to be more agreeable, like more people are going to come to the same conclusion than they would with Layla Star. I don't think that's true at all. This, <laughs> this idea that Layla Star is is a representation of Hinduism is pretty universal. Like like there there are some universal themes in this book that most people are going to come to, just like there are some universal themes in Saga that most people are going to come to. But the story is so large and overarching that, that there are there are so many different paths you can walk in Saga. You can understand what the point of the book is. What's the point of the book to you, Stephen? What's the point of Saga? War is bad. <laughs> War is bad. Is that the point of the book? That's one of them. I'd say no. war is bad. No, that's, that's not the point of the That's not the point of the book. Did you read the part where they went and they found their hero author and he talks about what's the opposite of war? Alex, what's the opposite of war? He's it's not a trick question. What's the, what, what's the opposite of war? Three letter word. <laughs> well, now, now you're cheating. You're cheating. But just it's sex. off the top of your head. <laughs> 
Stephen's not letting me uh, make my argument here. But that, that's the point. Is what, What's the opposite of war? Is it, This author makes the argument that the opposite of war is not peace. Peace is just a pause in the action. The opposite of war is sex. It's this idea of, of a physical manifestation of love. It's this idea of, a, of creation. It's this idea that war is destruction and sex is creation. That That's the, the opposite of war. The book spends so much time in the beginning talking about Alana and Marco worshiping this author, wanting him to to be their their guiding moral compass as we talk about religion. And then he talks to us about the opposite of war is sex. The story of the book is two people having sex and creating a child nobody thought could exist, nobody thought should exist. The story of the book is is two people fighting and, and struggling through a relationship and, and constantly coming together as lovers. This book is not about war is bad. It's about sex is good. Well, that's the same but conclusion, it's not, but opposite. But it's not. This, this, it's not. It's, 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 the story is not about war is good or sex is, or war is bad or sex is good. The story is is about the way relationships can bind people together regardless of their of their race and abilities. That's what it's about. The so story Romeo is about and Juliet. How bad, <laughs> the story is about how, how bad slavery is. The story is about the way people's careers can lead them on a trajectory that they think is obvious but, it, but is, is never quite as obvious. The story is about about the way in which people from different planets and from and from different backgrounds can affect their their surroundings in such a way that they can create their own culture within the larger one. The story is about, do you want me to go on? There's so many things that the story is about and so many different interpretations you could have. The overarching theme of Saga is what you believe it is. The overarching theme of Layla Star, there's like four you could pick from. So uh, this I, this idea that Layla Starr has all of this emotional depth and that Saga doesn't is simply not true. And when I talk about the way the art moves you through the story in Layla Starr, that's what I'm saying is, is you, you're constantly reading the story. You want to talk about going back to something familiar, this, the, the familiar warm waters of the of the lazy river that is the art in Layla Starr is certainly relaxing. It's certainly nice, but it doesn't force you towards introspection. It forces you towards complacency. The idea that the breadth of saga is, is imposing, of course it is. But if you're willing to take on that breath, what you're saying is I'm willing to read into a comic book. I'm willing to, to put myself in a place where comics are more than books for children. I'm willing to put myself in a place where, where comics are, are high works of art and they deserve that place of honor. The way saga is written, it's written as an epic. It's written as a, as a saga, as it were. And... Uh, and, and, and as much as I love Layla Star, I don't know that it has that. Well, I mean, I, like I said, I, I just <laughs> Saga is more of your standard space opera. I mean, you can get those themes elsewhere, but you won't get the same themes in Layla Star. That's what that's what my my point was trying to be. No, I I, I can definitely understand you saying that. Like, <laughs> you can get those themes elsewhere. Of course, you can get those themes. I don't know that you can that anywhere else. You can get the opposite of war is sex. I'm not sure about that. But a lot of it, yes, you can yeah. get elsewhere. But I think it's ridiculous to claim that Layla Starr has some sort of <laughs> unique quality that you can't get those themes elsewhere. The themes of Hinduism are available in a lot of works. But I, I don't think of, you're of religion what and I'm the saying. themes of reincarnation <laughs> and the thing. I don't think you're understanding what you're saying. No, you have I have no do. idea what the theme of, of Layla Starr is. All uh, right, we're gonna we're gonna cut the cut the discussion here. <laughs> you guys are down by two. Three seconds left in the game. Ball in the hand or final final attempt in the hand of your star player, you being your star player, you have to throw up a three ball. 
give me your best shot. One final sentence as to why you should be declared the champion of our uh, mid-March melee tournament. Um, Graham, since uh, since you beat Stephen to death over his book, why don't you go first? <laughs> mm. Three, two, one. Oh, sorry, you missed Saga. the shot. Game over. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Saga deserves to be the premier paperback prize winner, not because of its themes or because of its art or because of its anything else that that we've talked about even though those are great it deserves to be the premier paperback prize winner because of the place that it holds the story that it tells and the characters that it invites you to get to know so i'm gonna take i'm gonna give a paragraph since graham gotten way more words than me and say (laughs) that um the reason layla star should be the champion is because you know it's you know the the reader cannot claim a monopoly on the themes and so i think that there's a lot more way more depth in just such a small amount of themes for layla star versus any other comic book you know it's not you know it's only five issues a lot of other five issue runs but the depth it gives you is way beyond hinduism it makes you think about life and death in a way that most comics don't you know whereas saga presents you in a more traditional view of you know life and death whereas this one does not and there's way more themes I feel like that you can get from Layla Star that you just wouldn't expect. So I think that it's a lot more deep than Graham tried to make it seem. Cool. Because there's no monopoly. on You can't have a monopoly on the, you know, what people will take from it and say it's only about Hinduism. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, boys, we're going to take a quick break and I'm going to deliberate with my assistant referees here. They're not really here. Um, so I guess I'm going to have to come up with an answer by myself. They, I told them to show up by 730 and they didn't. And it's what I get for paying them in advance. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, think this over and uh, give me a moment and we'll come up with a champion. Well, while Alex is thinking, we do have one sponsor message today. Uh, our sponsor message of the day uh, comes from Stephen Shear. Stephen Shear, uh, annoyed with what Graham has to say since... Well, since, what, 2013? <laughs> um, <laughs> Stephen Shear, annoyed with what Graham has to say since 2013. I think we've, we've been friends longer than that. 2012? <laughs> right, but the, in the first year, you, you actually liked me. Oh, okay, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Can't forget the Febreze brothers. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, guys, breaking it down. And what my beast... I've got three different ranking systems. I've got the BCS rankings the bowl comic series rankings we've got the coaches polls and you guys voted for each other so that cancels out and then we've got the then we've got the final ap the alex pick poll so the bcs rankings have a tally for graham the computers have a split decision it's like boxing i know we're mixing boxing and football and <laughs> basketball here and then the alex picks is uh steven so the Alex picks weighs a little bit more than the rest of them because I'm pretty fat. And after all that together, this year's 2022 Premier Paperback Prize Champion goes to Stephen Shear. All right, congratulations, yes! Stephen. <laughs> now, I, oh, I want to be I want to be very very clear. Both of you did an incredible job defending your books. I mean, I think anybody listening would would have a hard time picking a consistent champion. You could probably give this to 
all 10,000 of our listeners and every, every single one of them would come up with a different answer. It's so it wasn't very cut and dry. It was, I, I mean, there was, I think you're overestimating the number of listeners we have. Okay. A hundred thousand, whatever. My bad. Um, but in all seriousness, I mean, Stephen, you know, I loved, I loved the way that you broke it down. Graham, you both had to defend your books repeatedly multiple times. I think to me, Stephen, you got to the crux of it a little bit better. To, I think that Graham, your book is so much more story that's involved throughout the rest of the series that it's hard to really kind of define it with just one book. As great as this book is, I think it's a lot easier to 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 pick Stephen. Not a lot easier, but it's it's a little easier to pick Stephen's book because you can get similar information that helps set up the future. Whereas I feel like Saga Twenty Five was more of a transitional, and that 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 did play a factor in it that it didn't draw me in as much as Layla Starr did. So I think both of you did a fantastic job. Steven, you are our champion. Um, congratulations to you. Congratulations to both of you on a great oh. battle. And, and I do um, have to say that, uh, you know, even though I said, you know, uh, Saga was just another space opera, that's just like patently not true. I mean, I subscribe to it and I love the book. <laughs> and Graham did a good job. I was just uh, I was just trying to win. Oh no, of course. Yeah, I, I think I think you have to take a little bit of what both Stephen and I said with a yeah. grain of salt. Though, with that being said, Stephen, congratulations, premier paperback prize winner, twenty twenty two. Congratulations. <laughs> All right, I think, but yeah, they both were excellent books. Thank you, Stephanie, for recommending both of them. Both excellent books. Absolutely. We we really enjoyed. Uh, well, I, I'm I'm going to speak for both of you here, but uh, we really enjoyed the whole uh, mid March melee tournament here. Uh, Alex even got dressed up for the occasion tonight. So uh, that's uh, that's almost a brought thing. my whistle. That's right, and we're glad that you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for joining us in our mid March melee tournament again the many deaths of Layla star by ram v and philippe andrade is the premier paperback prize champion uh for for our first tournament here uh very exciting and because that's so exciting we're going to pass it over to uh steven who's just finished his post-game interview and he's going <laughs> to uh let us know what we're moving into for the month of april steven what do we got coming up all right, gang, we got some uh, excitement coming up in April. Um, we've been talking about Grand Morrison a lot, so it's time we talk about their work. And so we're going to dedicate April to Grant Morrison. And to kick that off, we're going to kick our, we're going to start with arguably one of their greatest contributions to comics, which is Doom Patrol. And we're going to read Doom Patrol's 19 and 20 from 1989, Crawling from the Wreckages, part one and two. Uh, we're going to emphasize, or we're going to be talking more about issue 20. It's just issue 19 is the intro. And just real quick for people who haven't read Doom Patrol, um, it's okay to start at 19. You're not going to miss anything because the first 18 issues had a different writer and it was just goofy and not well received. And so at the end of issue 18, all those characters were basically disposed of and reintroduced a whole new cast um, in issue 19. So you're not missing anything by skipping the first 18. Um Quick little description, Crawling from the Wreckage, Part 204. The Doom Patrol's new direction continues as the patrol welcomes Rebus, the new negative being, and we learn about learn more about Crazy Jane. And the Scissormen start cutting up something fierce. Wow, I'm excited to learn about some Scissormen. Yeah, Scissormen. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> but it, it's right. fun, it's weird, 
and we're going to celebrate Grant Morrison's unique style. Yeah, Looking forward to it. Love, love me some Grant Morrison. Uh, excited to talk about this. I wanted to point out, Stephen, you, you didn't do yourself justice. You entitled our theme for next month as Grant Morrison Masterpieces, oh. <laughs> um, which a little bit of alliteration yep. is nice. I did that on purpose and I didn't even do it. That's stupid of me. Yeah. <laughs> Grant Morrison Masterpiece. <laughs> so we've got Grant Morrison Masterpiece. We're going to have a little bit of Masterpiece Theater on our uh, next episode. We hope you enjoyed our mid-March Melee tournament uh, to crown a premier paperback prize. Again, Stephen, our champion with many deaths of Layla Star, number one. Uh, gentlemen, Alex and Stephen, do we have anything, any parting thoughts? Um, no, I mean, honestly, this was a great month. I really enjoyed doing the, the bracket with you guys. Had a lot of fun with that, with the the judging, the the camaraderie that came with that, the sharing of our books, the sharing of the books that we loved and we wanted to to pit against each other. So I just really enjoyed this month and this was a great format for the month of March and the frenzy that is March Madness that everybody loves and enjoys with our own unique twist. Yeah, and I think we should do something similar, not necessarily like brackets, but I like switching things up periodically with this a fun special month so I, I really like to do something different and um it was very well done and i think everybody presented i think graham presented really good arguments and in fact i think he i thought he had me but um you know i think that uh you know presented a good argument but i think i do think layla star is one of the best books ever written and i look forward to finding some new good material and i think as a show we agree many deaths of layla star one of the best books ever written we hope you enjoyed Many Desolate Star. The first issue, the whole run, is excellent. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our mid-March melee bracket. Uh, I've said it so many times, I'm having trouble saying it now. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed the thrill of victory. We hope you enjoyed the agony of defeat. We hope that you imagined Alex wearing his referee shirt. I may not have mentioned it, but he has the, the uh, end of it tucked through the collar to make a little half shirt uh, nuzzling his breasts. Uh, we hope you enjoy nuzzled breasts. We hope that you enjoy Grant Morrison masterpieces and you join us on that journey uh, next month. We hope you go to your local comic shop. We hope you approach the counter and tell the person at the counter, big mind paperback. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>